Hello, and welcome to another podcast. Hello, welcome to another podcast. I just realized that you always say hello first. Uh, yeah, because it used to be that you were afraid to do it. I'm so still afraid to do I've it. I've taken the <laughs> so, uh, so, um, we have a guest. Special guest. Very special. It's not Josh, so... We're not going to talk about, like, medicine or biology, which actually would have been interesting to have him here for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have a <laughs> film expert. <laughs> Zombie film expert. Wait, mm, I'll take horror it. film connoisseur who somehow came up with, what, 37 different horror genres? Mm-hmm. Or something like that? Oh, man, I need to, I need to put that online. I love that list. Yeah. Anyways, hello. Hi, Adam. Hi. There, there we There's go. your introduction. My name's like not you, Josh. I'm not Josh. I like yeah, how you yeah. oh, you just said hello, like, kind of into the phone. Like, you expected someone would say hello No. Sounds like there's a person there. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so uh, we just watched Avatar in 3D. I had never seen Avatar. Period. Ever. So uh, that seems to be a running theme for this podcast, movies I haven't seen. There's a lot, somehow. <laughs> I, like, somehow. I like that. Um... Yeah, so uh, Adam and Jason had both seen it already, and we're just going to talk about it for a little bit, because I, it was long. long. It's, it's like three hours. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be. Really? I don't know. Like, I think, okay, maybe my perspective on it is a little bit skewed, because it's been so many years since it came out. Um, all I knew about this movie, literally all I knew about it, was that... Uh, Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana were both in it, mm. and the story was similar to Ferngully and Pocahontas. Yes. That is what I'd heard. And let me tell you, for the full three hours, I felt like I could predict every single <laughs> moment. Good point. There wasn't a single surprising moment in this entire <laughs> movie for me. Like, nothing. It was very formally predictable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you knew exactly what was going on, especially in terms of the antagonist. We were saying, like... There is a clear line of who the bad people are in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. even try to complicate them. Like, yeah. the, uh, the... Unobtainium. The unobtainium. <laughs> like, and I'm kind of surprised that that part never really came up in the movie again later. Like, it did. They were talking about how it was underneath the tree, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't really talk about it much. Um, it's a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's what drives the whole plot. It's what everyone wants, but you never even understand the, the importance of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not important why everyone wants it. The whole point is that there's just some sort of material resource of course. that these people are here to exploit from these natives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and there, there's really no complication in terms of, like, any gray areas. There's, like, the Giovanni Rubisi character is just so awful. He's very repellent. And he's just, like... Wearing his dress shirt and dress pants and walking around and like fumbling at the technology and insulting the biologists and insulting <laughs> the scientists and being all like, will you just do this? It's like, what is he even doing there? Like, he's funded something. He's just the suit. He's he's just very one dimensional. But but with the current trajectory of the American administration. Is this really all that surprising though? Like is this really so absurd? <laughs> Nothing about this movie was surprising at all. Yeah. So this is two thousand eight, right? So this is two hours so this is two years into the Obama presidency. No, this is the start right? of the Obama. Got it. Is yeah. that two years into it, right? Because it started, yeah, yeah, it started two thousand eight. You're right, you're right. Yeah. We're Canadian, um, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we know everything. Um <laughs> This, no, like, there's nothing surprising about this movie. All of the characters are straight-up formulaic archetypes. Mm, And I guess that's probably what made me a little bit bored Mm. throughout a lot of it. Because, like I said, every moment was predictable. Um, I know I was making fun of the dialogue quite a bit, but it wasn't any more offensive than any other blockbuster I'd seen. Um, I guess this is just clearly a very visually driven movie and really nothing else lots of spectacle just lots of moments of look who, look what's so pretty and then just barely plot and then look but, what's so pretty but I, see i think there is a plot and i think oh, there plot is. Is. oh yeah very it's solidly very... constructed that, it, it's a three-hour movie but, but it is <laughs> it is i think the problem with it is it's predictable in the sense that you you can see all the construction of it like you see the setup and you know the payoff mm-hmm. and so there is this kind of soundness and symmetry to the way all the scenes play it that you, you mm-hmm. know that 
you're watching him train because it's going to somehow pay off mm -hmm. in the final scene. You see the conflict emerging between these characters, and of course, that's exactly the conflict that happens. And you know, they say that the the whole movie is about them getting to destroy Home Tree, and then Home Tree is destroyed. And then you you know that there's a sort of final conflict involving the thing because they say there's going to be a final conflict involving the thing. So they're not really trying to <laughs> wow you in terms of you've never seen like it's not Inception. It's not you've never seen this story before. It's you've seen this story before, but you've never seen it done this way. Mm -hmm. I and, guess what's crazy to me is because I'm seeing it for the first time so many years later. It did not seem that impressive to me, just mm -hmm. in terms of. Um, everything that's come out since then that I've seen visually. Um, I know when this movie came out, it made so much money because everybody around me kept saying, oh my God, Avatar, it's incredible. It's the most expensive movie ever made. Everyone's got to go see it. It's like so visually stunning. And I swear, I went to try to see it several times, but every show I went to was sold out. And I was just like, fuck this movie. I don't need to go see it. Someone's a bitter Brenda. So, well, I was at the time. I was just like, this movie isn't worth my time. I'm just not going to see it. And then years later, I was like, oh, I guess I can just see it. But I just kind of <laughs> forgot. Yeah. I literally just forgot. Like, I, Jason, I think it wasn't until uh, a while ago that you were like, you mean you've never seen Avatar? I have it in 3D. I forgot this movie even existed. And I, Well, so I thought it was weird that you hadn't seen it because your field is digital humanities yeah. and augmented reality and virtual reality. Mm. And, and these are... The some, movie's called Avatar. The movie's called Avatar. Yeah. And these are the kind of interesting ideas that this movie plays, which which I get kind of frustrated and people are like, oh, it's just a Pocahontas fern gully ripoff. I'm like, really? Tell me which part in Pocahontas <laughs> she enters into an alien body and goes and intersperses with the, with the, uh, with the white people. That's the only that part. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor, right? Like, tell, tell me the part where she's like interfacing with the trees like tell me that part and and you can you can i do say think it's that it does Nico. bring up the raccoons that's some, right i do agree that it brings up some interesting um ideas and questions and kind of hints about what is your body what is an external body but those were all very underdeveloped mm -hmm. and i think that the only thing that seemed a little bit interesting to me was how they bonded with the animals and how they bonded with the trees and that biological neural network that uh, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's character was talking about. Like, that part to me was was a little more interesting. I wish they'd talked about it even more, but just the whole idea of, you know, this is your body, this is that body, they did it in a very uncomplicated way. Mm -hmm. It was like, there were never moments where there was ever really... There was no blur. Any Yeah, there, there was no blur. real indication that even the main character was like, that conflicted about how he felt about having an able body versus the body he had before, like, and, and whether, uh, you know, the, the questions about the dreams walker and the, when are you sleeping and when are you taking care of each body? Like, it's like this film kind of throw, threw that out at you and just asked you to accept all of it without complicating it. And I guess that's why... I see a movie like this, and I'm like, I don't know if this had anything original to say well, about all of those aspects. Part of the problem with a movie that costs this much is that you can't make it for people like us who want those questions yeah. to be dis um, right. explored. Because at the end of the day, he has to make a movie that's going to make at least a billion dollars. Like, just, just to break oh. even, yeah. he has to make a billion dollars. So he has to include lines that basically tell you where the movie is going to go, who's you know, who's angry at who, how the relationships work out. He has to basically introduce these ideas, but he can't really explore them because if he spends the next 20 minutes exploring the duality between mind and body, the, half the audience is going to say, what the hell is going on? 25% are going to say, I want my money back. And then another 25% are going to be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let's like, you know, jerk off to each other while mm -hmm. we talk about it. And, and he's not going to win. Get off, get off. <laughs> um, so, so I think it's interesting that even in a movie of this magnitude, that it, it dares and it bothers to go mm. to those extremes. Um, I hope it goes further there in the sequels. Well, that's so I'm I'm excited for yeah. what the sequels will bring because now he doesn't have to he doesn't have to lay the the, the there's foundation. There's no world building, yeah. Or yeah. there's still world building, there's but still not, world at building. The, not at such an extent of a learning curve that this movie has. Hopefully, hopefully that he's he's willing to take a little bit more risks. Yeah. Um, 
Like, I like how the, this movie just had really cool allegories of all of these movies that we've seen about artificial intelligence and uploading data. Like, I like mm-hmm. that Sigourney Weaver's character actually uses the language of uploading Yeah. I just downloading. wish there was more of that. Yeah. That was very exciting when that <laughs> yeah. happened because I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is going somewhere interesting. But no, it, it, it left. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, her. Lost my train of thought. Her death? No, I was going to say her. Um, just all the issues she raised with that were just dismissed. Mm, very dismissed, yeah. yeah. Um, and she didn't really get to talk about those things ever again. But she does use them at the end to upload herself. Yes. And her, well, her consciousness into the database but there should have been more about that wait, I, w- wait, I would have like what do you be, mean be, she uploaded her she uploads herself into the, into the database, database of awa and then yeah. and then jake slowly goes to awa and says read grace's memories look at what oh, earth right. so awa constructs a picture of earth and that's work. why awa intercedes in the in the war because she looks at grace's memories and says okay oh shit this is okay, really bad cool. i have to save us okay cool there we go right there there could have been a whole other thing about that, about yeah. what do you mean upload your consciousness? How can a spirit tree read your memories and then create a map of the universe? <laughs> well, she's, not, she's not creating a map of the universe. She's just she's reading the, the data though, from, from the movie. I'm interested, though, in how she's reading this data. But how do, you, how, how do you show that in a movie? Like, I, what, what, what more like, could they have done? I don't know. Just talk about it or something. But but So I thought that was but an interesting parallel between yeah. the the humanoid technology which is all of the machines and the metals and you then you have the navi technology which is like roots and trees and and, yeah. and senses and energies and forces um and they're both equally valid um, of technologies they are. I, I wouldn't i didn't mean like and you the, know explain it in human ways the, but... the cool thing is the way in which this sort of uh, the Navi technology supersedes the human technology by right. the end of it. Like he basically abandons all human technology and decides, you know what? I like the way the Navi have figured out. You know, I like their science more than I like. Well, now I'm wondering. Like a lot of questions for me were not answered about this whole universe. Like, where exactly on Earth do the Navi live? Oh, this is this, uh, this is Pandora. Pandora. This is a complete other. Oh, world. right. They're not on Earth. I feel There's like, no I giant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, like they if you look outside right now, Judy, there is no giant <laughs> Jupiter planet outside. We don't need to worry about I'm just nitrogen gases. a giant gases Jupiter breathing. planet and Mila Kunis falling down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's been ascending this whole time. Um. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I did forget that they were on Pandora. Yes, but what yes. I'm guessing is like, why? So there, I think I missed this part of the movie that they, I thought for instance that like Pandora was just like this kind of an area area slash universe on Earth like or Disneyland something. like a digital yeah, like Disneyland like, it was like, a digital like Vegas but they showed you wait I don't understand they start the movie off with with shots of a spaceship he says he took six years to get to this planet <laughs> and they land it. they land on the planet Jason I'm sorry that was like three hours ago. <laughs> I can't possibly remember that and far back and it was back. also really quick. I don't okay. even, I All seriously right. don't even, I, the only part of the beginning I remember is him opening the pod and then dude looks just like him being in there and right. that being his brother who died while getting mugged or something. Like, I, I forgot that they were on another planet. There's another thing. I'm sorry, I just did. Did they ever really do anything about that story? Like, they never actually, about, about his twin brother, like. It was all just a reason to get him into that narrative. Yeah. Like, so well, that, so the uh, the so point that he's was the completely unqualified. He's the audience, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. have to be explained what's going on, so they have him come in, and the only way in which, like, I, I like that James Cameron like bothered with the science. It is like, no, it's an exact, you know, biological duplicate. Mm-hmm. So you need the same genetic material. So you would have to have a twin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he's like, all right, so that the original twin has to die. Like from a, from a perspective of narrative, mm-hmm. we have to mm-hmm. have a character who knows all about this and would be involved and gets killed so that we can have someone else come in. And then he can sort of experience this new world along with the audience. Yeah. Um, they, but they do, he does end up getting a surrogate brother in, in Suitse who he ends up calling brother by the end of it, who then dies. Jason, I, I think I literally just realized why you and I have such great discussions and disagreements about movies. It's because... Because you have a terrible memory? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, no, I don't. I really just missed that part in the beginning. I was probably just distracted by eating some cheese. And Michelle Rodriguez. And Michelle Rodriguez, who knows. But Jason, I think I just realized why we look at movies so differently. 
See, when I have problems with narrative things, right. it's because my problem with it is that it doesn't really fit the structure of realism. Right. And I can't imagine people actually doing something like this. Right. And I can't imagine, you know, an entire government operation just <sighs> take a chance on some dude. Right. But you think it's okay because narratively yeah. it works for the structure of the movie so it's yeah. completely acceptable to you mm. that they would need this other person. Mm. Yeah. This mm -hmm. happens all the time when we have discussions about movies. I'll just be like... That doesn't make sense. And you'll be like, but he's serving this purpose in mm. the narrative. Yeah. And, and you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. But I agree that it would be awesome if they hadn't had to do this. But I'm, I'm willing to concede as a narrative concession. Again, and this is what I was saying, the movie needs to make a billion dollars. So they can't just say, they can't come from the perspective of, fuck you, you just have to get it and, and accept it. Because, like you know, I think we would be willing to do that with a new property that we would say, oh, okay, cool. Like... Yeah, confuse me a little bit, and I'll I'll be there. But he has to sort of, you know, when you teach students, you basically this is the problem that I have to find. You have to like repeat everything like a dozen times to them, and you have to kind of handhold them through things. Otherwise, they get confused, and then they check out and they say, "I'm not I'm not involving myself in this well, because I don't." Get I think it. that the reason the only way this movie was going to make a lot of money is if people got to go see something pretty. If they got yeah. to go see something that they could just kind of like stare at also without paying attention when their other friends wanted to go see it with them and something that a bunch of parents could take a billion kids to yep. to entertain them for three hours, a movie that's completely PG and <clears throat> is also just entertaining. Like this is why, this is how the movie was going to make money by just appealing to the most amount of people. And imagine how many people just went to see this movie and like... I don't know, got high beforehand. Like, Probably. appealing to all of well, those how, people, how did, too. How did Alice in Wonderland a... make a billion dollars? Right. Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a horrible movie. Remember we... But look I, at Interstellar, yeah. too, right? Where they had Didn't the make a billion dollars. Did it? Okay, okay. No, okay. it only made, like, 300 million. Oh, only 300 million. That's still a lot, of mo a lot of money, but, like, it basically cost that much money. Like, so they broke even. Like, well, it cost them 150 million, but then they oh, have okay. to do, like, advertising and stuff. So, like, but Christopher it's Nolan. It's a better movie. <laughs> you think Interstellar is a better movie than Avatar? Yes. Interstellar is way more adventurous. It's so. Interstellar is so much more interesting. It actually, I feel like I'm probably never going to think about this movie again. Interstellar, you and I had like a three-hour discussion about Interstellar, and we've talked about it many times since then, Yeah, and we haven't podcasted about it. Oh, like, I wrote my dissertation exam, or my PhD exam, one of them on Interstellar, yeah, like, the technology in Interstellar. Yeah, it's a better movie. It makes you yeah. think a lot more, and there's a lot more interesting... But I have raises. I, but so, for example, in Inter, I don't want to get segued yeah, by Interstellar, yeah. but in Interstellar, a lot of the sort of narrative mechanics that that are involved in that movie really annoy me because they strain my credulity to the absolute breaking point. That's funny. You're <laughs> total opposite that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like the whole because they, they play the same thing of like, why is this guy involved in NASA? He's it's so that the audience can have this kind of new, fresh experience about going into NASA. But it doesn't make any sense that NASA would pin their entire hopes on some crop duster who just mm -hmm. showed up at the last minute. But, but the they had one. no contingency but, plan but, for but this? But this makes he's sense to you one. just because this makes he's way a more genetically sense identical twin <laughs> who has not trained or they, done but anything But they said they spent, they, they, spent, just... they spent millions or billions of dollars on this, on this avatar and they said, oh, thank God he was a Marine because we can actually just have him come in as security at this point. So it's a waste of money, but it's a waste of money that helps us out because right, you can just I have guess. A, a guy I with guess, a thing. I guess it's fine. And then the company, him, it's still ridiculous. the company realizes that actually they might be able to use him as an asset mm -hmm. to, to sort of right. infiltrate. For intelligence. They, 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 the military sees him as an Listen, asset. Listen, I don't think Matthew McConaughey was just some crop duster. Well, they say he had a history with NASA, so yeah. that it makes sense. And but he I'm was just like, a scientist and stuff. But why, why couldn't he And he could travel... Time. Why could you drive through time? Na with NASA the whole time. Like, why did they have to have the whole 20 because minute it's ahead one, of time? Because it's one of those movies where they need to bring in a specialist right. that doesn't actually work it's, there. It's Armageddon. Whatever, you just yeah. don't like the beginning of Interstellar. Yeah. You said that you don't like the beginning. I, I also don't really like the the um, the cross-cutting in, in Interstellar where they keep jumping back to Jessica Chastain just so that Jessica Chastain can have a larger role. And cry at something. Cry at everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever, I like that movie. No, I, I, it's a great movie, but there's just those... So it's it's interesting, yeah, you're right, that I, in that movie, all of the narrative tricks and mechanics, I, I hate, I can't stand them. 
And in this movie, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm willing to do that to be entertained. I the guess movie. there. I guess for me, I just am not the biggest fan of movies that just ask me to sit back and stare at something pretty and be entertained. Right. I I look for a lot more than that in a movie, and I especially hate a movie that does that and also just serves this craptacular writing. Mm. Like and like I said, it's not the worst I've ever heard, but it was pretty funny at times oh, how yeah. incredibly cliched all the writing was. I can't. I can't be entertained by a movie that has bad writing. The the voiceover, yeah, so that's a deal breaker. All the narration, I think, should have been dropped. From I don't the even movie. understand why it was there. I think it was there to to fill space to fill in the audience, lest they be confused for even a moment. But it's like he wasn't even the narration wasn't even revealing anything important. It was just like yeah, like the lines that were just like sometimes you're just born to do this. <laughs> yeah, or you you, you got to wake up. Like get it, it's a dream or is it? Yeah, like, like okay. stop talking. <laughs> Everything is better when you're not trying to do an American accent. Everything was better when Sam Worthington was just, not was doing not his talking. accent. Yeah. yeah, it was just very difficult to listen to. It's very distracting for me. Yeah, it's bad writing and bad It just takes me out of the entire immersive experience to have an actor like mess up his accent like that. Like, why couldn't they just let him just have his own accent? Yeah, he it's in need, the future. He didn't need to have an American. <laughs> Not everyone's accent. American. Maybe that's the accents of the future. Yeah, that's it's a true, weird blend. True. I don't weird know. Blend. Oh, how prophetic, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll let him get away with that. Only a Canadian would think of that one. <laughs> that's true, eh? That's true. Um, I think. I said a. This movie, I I can see why it made a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. As I was saying before, it's not as... I I can see that it also, a lot of work went into the CGI and everything, and I can see why it would be very visually stimulating back when it came out. But seeing it now, I'm just like, I feel like I've seen a lot of CGI movies. But that being said, don't you, you, like, would you say that this was the trailblazer? I think so, definitely. Which is why I acknowledge that seeing it, you know, almost 10 years after it came out. But, okay, so what do you, I just know what you mean by that. Like, that you weren't impressed by what you were seeing? I was impressed, but I guess having not seen it in 2008, I wasn't blown away by the visuals. Just because I'm so used to seeing things in CGI. Right. So it just... But it was also just, just, uh... Like the cinematography itself was just very well constructed. Like the the way the shots, the use of depth, the use of light, and and all these things. So it was still just it's still a pretty movie to look at. Yeah, it is. And and yeah, once you get over that idea of like, wow, everything in this frame isn't real. Mm-hmm. That uh, and it it it's, it isn't real, and it's not uncanny. I think is a really important True. thing that that you can have eighty percent of a movie be fake. And blend seamlessly with the twenty percent that is actually human actors. That you can have the the CGI creation interacting with the human creation, and you don't have a moment of like, oh, well, oh it's so weird that you're just like, huh? Like in I, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that, yeah, where that you're you just can like, this sit does here not for, right. for for three hours and and be more just bored as opposed to like disconcerted. Yeah, well, I found like. There were some shots that, that did distanciate me in this one. It was whenever they had cockpit shots hmm. of like like reverse shots in the cockpit in the it on like in the war scenes. It was it was very much like you could see you knew that they were just in a green screen right. on like on a rig. There was just something very um obvious about it, which I felt like was I don't know, a little bit of a cheat. Yeah. Whereas they were having such amazingly compos- com- composite composed shot co- composed composite shots. Yes. There you go. Yeah. It's hard to say out loud. Sharp sheep's cheese. <laughs> um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh yeah, just like the, those sh- those shots were just very um, jarring because it, it took away from the spectacle. It made it it rendered it into complete like yeah. anti spectacle. If you yeah. watch the making of it, it is funny because they had a a stage about you know three times the size of this room, so like you know sixty feet by sixty feet. And it's just a bunch of men running around in spandex, kind of like, you know, <laughs> acting like they're in a jungle. Um, and there's like a few shrubs mm, kind of thing and everything shrubs. else is green. And so it's like, it's all up to their imagination to like sell the effect of mm. being nowhere. Which is... Where are we at? Um, what else do we want to talk about? Can we talk about the music? 
Yeah, I did not like that score. I did not like that score either. I was just about to say, like, in my mind, why do you want to talk about the music? It's pretty unremarkable. Well, I just I just found... I, I don't know why I listened to so many... Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it because the composer recently died, but I just... <laughs> Too late. Can't yeah. really say well, anything about it now. We can edit this out, but... Um, <laughs> There's there was just so many themes where I was like this sounds like the theme this sounds like something from Alien or this sounds like something from another movie or this just, just sounds like he it didn't fit didn't yeah there were so many times where you were like this doesn't fit and I'm like yeah I never thought it fit like why are we hearing horns at this point I didn't get it it just seemed random I just thought it was like they ran out of money they didn't really have I, like they I didn't, didn't get it there was that there was like a snare drum like tap tap rat, like rat a tat tat like during like the bombing scene that was completely it, it took away from it like it yeah. it added this militaristic tone yeah. and this almost like a holly jolly like marchy tone to it that really took away from it and there was that other scene right when it, when i was just like this music does not work what was the scene it was when he's waking up and they're destroying the trees with the bulldozers yeah and it like was, it was the, it's the avatar intense... theme yeah um and it's sort of triumphant is there an avatar theme i didn't really notice What's any the, kind the... of it was that fanfare, na, yeah. Na, and it was I, that. I playing, literally like don't playing even remember in, this. It, I, it's like that fanfare from like the the credits. Yeah. But, but no, you're right. It was the it was that fanfare. Is that it was too triumphant for such a for such a downbeat moment. Downbeat moment. Maybe that was the whole point to show know. the irony of a, a, a human intervention. Ironically, right? when so James Horner worked with uh, James Cameron when they did uh, Aliens. And the score that James Horner turned in for Aliens was very different than what showed up in the original film, uh, in the final film, I should say, because James Cameron really didn't like a lot of the cues that that James Horner had given because he thought they were so out of place with what was on screen. You're kidding. And so there's actually, like, there's a feature on the Aliens Blu-ray where you can watch the original score in place of the shots, like... For example, when they're first landing on the planet, it's all this like triumphal military march music, and you're just like, what, what? And with horns and all this stuff, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? And so they like, at, at the last minute, they like kind of um, messed around with it and just made like percussions and stuff. And uh, they got into like a lot of heated debate with the composer because the composer was like, I made you great music. And he's like, no, you didn't. We don't really like it. And then. They had like a big falling out, and I, then I think they worked together for Titanic and resolved their differences. And then same thing with Avatar. And I, I almost feel like at this point James Cameron was like, "Look, I got a lot of shit to deal with, so you make the music however you want, as stupid as you want it to sound. <laughs> Put it in. I won't change a note." Yeah, and I think they worked together at this point where it's just like, "I trust you. Just I, do something." I just, yeah. I just feel like it was so. It's kind of lazy. <laughs> like, why would you spend this much money and then and then you just have music that? And I think everyone was kind of like, music is so weird that it just didn't fit. Can we talk about cultural appropriation? Because you had Adam, you had an interesting thing about um, the idea of of mixing and matching from different. Um, oh yeah, like we were. Was that not? Was that before? Was that before we pressed record? It was before we pressed record. Oh, okay. Record. Yeah, like, what's, what was I saying? It was just, it's just about how everyone always says, this is the new Fern Gully. This is the new Pocahontas. This this is drawing on Dances such... Wolves. Dances with Wolves. This was hugely Dances with Wolves. And it's just like, it's drawing on such a Hollywood tradition of this, of these Western frontier narratives. Yeah. And I guess Fern Gully is a bit of a Western narrative when you think about it. I, I don't know. Can't, I saw Fern Gully when I was a kid. I haven't really well, seen it since. It's different. The only real difference is that the human guy doesn't really get sent in to infiltrate Fern Gully. He's one of the people. What, is, what is a Fern Gully? <laughs> Fern Gully is a place. It's a person named Fern Gully. No, it's not. <laughs> Like Las Vegas or Disneyland. No, it's a place like Las Vegas or Disneyland. <laughs> On this planet. On this planet. Okay. Except, Maybe that's why you were Except confused. it's this big. Oh, it's the size of a thumb. It's like really, really small. Pretty... And it's really, really small. And basically there's like a company that's just trying to like bulldoze a field or whatever. Right. And there's a guy driving a tractor who like gets hit with some kind of... Honey, I shrunk the kid's juice. I don't fucking know. Okay. And he shrinks really, really small, and he enters into Fern Gully. And he, has, and he never becomes one of them. Like, everybody's mm. aware that he's human because he doesn't have wings. So. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Pretty right. fucking obvious. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the story from that point on is exactly the same. <laughs> he like he betrays them and and it's this whole thing where like uh, I think I don't remember. I'm not gonna make anything up mm. because I I may be conflating the two the two plots, but mm. I think that um, yeah, it's like Ferngully is like this movie, but also Honey I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> <laughs> but this, but this isn't really how to attract the kids because the because the because the navi are like it's true. This has nothing to do with anyone head, shrinking. Head shrinking, mental this shrinking. This has nothing yes. to do with shrinking. Uh, no, but because you, you were talking about in reference to the credit that talked about the indigenous experts. Yeah, like they, like there was a major credit given to it was just it just said to our indigenous film partners. Yeah, which was very highly significant. Just the fact that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily give a an exhaustive list, mm-hmm. but it shows the fact that. This was a collaborative uh, narrative that was actually worked on, which which draws on an entire indigenous tradition of storytelling, which is collaborative, collective, and always drawing from like a mythology, a greater and, mythology bigger than itself, and recycling. Yeah, which is also which is a Hollywood technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah. also one of the kind of themes of the movie is that you know everything you don't ever have energy, you're just boring it, and eventually you have to give it back. Good point. So there's this idea. Um, but that was a line, I think, right? It's yeah. Like how, like she has this crazy idea that life yeah. is this is a is is a cycle. Yeah. And it all comes back. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but but it's interesting because you watch this and you think it's not very original. And I I freely admit the story is not original. Um, the structure, the material is not not original. But like, it's not original in the same way that like all of the comic book movies that are coming out these days. Are not original because like even the Dark Knight is just borrowing from like Long Halloween and a few kind of seminal um, comic book move uh, sorry graphic novels um, so the originality of it is kind of kind of lost um, the reason why I brought up the indigenous stuff is because when this movie first came out there was a lot of kind of backlash because they felt like uh, you know uh, Native Americans especially felt like the movie was kind of borrowing and stealing their their culture and their heritage and replacing them with blue-skinned cat-like aliens. That, yeah. And so it's like, is that a fair charge or is that just... I think that that's pretty true because, I mean, and obviously this movie would not have had the success that it did if it was about just Native Americans in the place of blue people. Yeah. Um, even though it would have been a very similar thing and a very similar plot. Nobody would have seen it because it would not have been this movie that cost a bajillion dollars to make. So, yes, just I think that they're... Oh, just a billion, not a bajillion. <laughs> um, I think they're completely warranted in saying that they're an amalgamation of their their uh, customs and culture and them, you know, being on land that was rightfully theirs and all that. Yes, they were replaced by blue aliens. Yeah. Totally agree. I wonder how much of the production went towards, like... Or how much of the budget just went towards the actual collaborators? Like, if they have such a credit, if 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 the you know if our indigenous film partners hmm. was such a major credit, I wonder how much of a credit they're actually given. Anyway, hmm. no, I think it was more of a consultant thing than actually, um, because they were involved in things like uh, I don't, well, I don't know what to what extent the consultants were involved in, in these things, but there was. You know, production meetings about the language, the costumes, the the customs, the rituals, like even down to how Neytiri holds her bow. Yeah. They had like production meetings on mm-hmm. on all of these things. Actually, interesting. Um, if you notice, she holds her bow in this kind of weird way, and the the animators were like, "There's no way we can animate this because it doesn't make any sense. No one can fire a bow like this." And uh, James Cameron was like, "Oh yeah, really?" And he like picked up a bow and arrow held it up like the way that Neytiri holds it up and then launched it and got a bullseye from like 30 feet and he's like, what? now animate it. James Cameron <laughs> shot a bow and arrow to prove a point. He shot a bow and arrow to prove a point and it was, I, I don't know, I just like that kind of determination about this guy that, you know, people tell him, you can't do it, it can't work, it doesn't mm-hmm. work that way or whatever. And he's just like, you know what, shut up, yeah. So what has he done since since Titanic he's, and now? Worked on Avatar sequels. Really? Is it like That's is, it. ever like, since, since the Titanic this movie, was he hasn't he's, done anything? He's done nothing. No, he hasn't done anything. So he spent ten years on Avatar, and now the next ten years on the Avatar sequels. Yeah, I think that you want to try to something else. Anyone wants to see Avatar sequels? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, this is this is the 
concerned. It's kind of well, this is what a lot of people are saying when the news was announced. They were like, who gives a shit at this yeah. point? I personally give a shit, and I'm really excited. And I think once the initial footage starts coming out, that a lot of this... Because um, a lot of this will be swept away. Because when Avatar was first announced, people were like, this guy hasn't done anything for, like, ten years. He, the last thing he made was Titanic, which everybody hated by that point. What? And, no, what? I'm sure people you were take sick that of back. It. No, sure I love Titanic, but but people were well, people were sick of it, and it was the same sort of thing. It's it's not original. It's not anything new. It's a tr- you know it's a it's a classic and it's timeless a trashy, love story. Romantic <laughs> love story. It's and a classic. Everyone, and timeless. Everyone was burnt out on the song, <laughs> and they heard about this thing, and then they saw the first few minutes of footage, like they saw the trailer, and they were just like, Avatar. This movie looks so stupid. And it like really, I thought people effects, were saying it looked cool. No, they were. Well, it was kind of divided. There was like fifty percent saying "Whoa, awesome," and then fifty percent being like "Whoa, this looks like a big, huge disaster." Well, didn't three hundred come out a little bit beforehand, which a lot of people really hated just because of all the CGI? Yeah, I'm one of those people. It was like yeah. notoriously hated just because it was all green screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was shot in Toronto. I have no idea. Or Montreal? Does it, it matter? Uh, Montreal? Uh, it's all good. It's good. Was it shot anywhere? <laughs> Disneyland or <laughs> Las Vegas? Wasn't it shot in a room that's green? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of the moment we're at right now, where people are like, what? Four Avatar sequels? Yeah, no, I don't understand I don't the know. four. Like, I, I'm okay with them being like, okay, here's one Avatar sequel, because they're... The ending is very abrupt, and I just, I'm thinking to myself, if I were that character, would I just, I mean, I guess maybe he didn't really have much going for him on Earth and everything, (laughs) so he gives up Earth, and whatever, like, I I wish there would have been maybe a little bit more conflict, like, you know nothing about his life on Earth So there is an extended version that does show you life on Earth, which is horrible because it's just over overpopulated oh isn't it like 2145 2154 it's overpopulated well so if you watch the extended cut which is like half an hour longer there's more of that um it it basically shows you but it's everything that he says when he goes to the tree where he says there's no life there and it's 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 miserable he lives in like a tiny little cubicle office i really wish that they'd shown us some of that in this Mm, version because mm -hmm. during i do remember the one part where he's recording the video and he says and and it seemed kind of abrupt and out of nowhere for me like he goes from infiltrating their culture and learning their customs and kind of becoming one of them which i thought he looks like he's having fun but he also has his ulterior motive and then he has that video log where he's just like or rather when he's in there the narration is like this is real life my body back home is nothing. And I'm just like, what? How did you just change your mind completely about about essentially inhabiting an entire other entity yeah. and not caring about your body? Like, it just seemed like they, there was no conflict they, there. And they do, they do show more in the extended cut about why he feels more alive. Because they have a hunt scene where he, like, in, but then it's basically the buffalo hunt from Dances with Wolves. <laughs> so it's kind of problematic in that sense. But they do, they do spend more time showing you, and he sees, like, he visits the old school that was mm-hmm. all, like, um, shot at and sees the bullet holes and, like, learns that a few of the kids died. So he has, like, kind of, he begins to hate his own humanity and realizes that there's, like, he, he's on the wrong side. And so he's kind of put himself in this position where he can't just go back to being human and living with himself as a human. And so he feels like he has to jettison his human body and kind of, Join the Navi. On the one hand, I wish we'd watched the extended version so I could have gotten all that. But on the other hand, I'm glad we didn't because this is how the movie was released to the public. And the other version seems a lot fuller. It is a lot fuller. And um, there are a few scenes that that are in this movie that I don't know why they were put in in place of the... um, the stuff that we have in the extended cut. I just think the extended cut is is a better movie... Um, and, but this is the movie that was, was put in theaters. And so it's kind of the one that you have to watch because you're all speaking the same language at that point of what happened. But yeah, I'm curious to see, I guess what will happen with just one sequel, not four, because I don't think we need four, but, uh, what will, what will it be about in terms of his life as a Navi? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, is he just going to stay on that planet forever? Are there other planets? Are... There are other planets. James Cameron said that they are going to visit other planets. And so, uh, but then he said there's also the lingering conflict of the humans returning. Well, um, what I'm wondering is, like, if in the movie it's now focused on him as a Navi, is it just going to be an entire movie about alien creatures, essentially? Like, it's no longer going to be about the concept of an avatar? anymore yeah are they gonna completely just not like carry on the story just with them and like because he is not an avatar anymore well he said that they wanted to explore the oceans and so i okay so was that well well, how are are these people how are these people going to explore oceans if they don't have the technology oh my god do the avatars have to go into another i don't know maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna mind body jump jump with a fish in fission or or oh my god the avatars gonna become like mermans mer people father mer people mer people Navi mer people. So I, I'm willing to withhold judgment until it actually. I'm just curious yeah, about what out. it's actually going to be about because. Well, yeah. it was originally going to be three sequels, and James Cameron said it needed to be four. Needed to be. Needed to be four. Not like you know, not Peter Jackson five. saying I've got one movie now, I've got two movies now, I've got three movies for the Hobbit. Oh God, this the is Hobbit. this is like James Cameron was like. We're gonna make three sequels, and then as he was doing the writing process, he's like, "No, let's make four. So, so it's gonna be so it's gonna be a five ology. It's gonna be a five five ology. Pentology. Five ology. But they're all coming out within a few within two years okay. of each other. As long as it's not a Star Star Wars it's style, not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not an eight year gap yeah. between each one. Okay. Well, I mean, certainly not if they're filming it all together, and people will definitely lose interest by then. Yeah, I, I, I'm, right. I'm. How are they gonna keep? Relevance by the time you get to the fourth movie, I think there's just going to be so much. And also, how is this fatigue. going to actually really impress people the way the first one did? He's going to have to keep pushing the envelope on the technology. I think, yeah, what he's doing. And well, that the is part of the reason. The way it's viewed, yeah. Part of the reason why it hasn't been made yet. Like he hasn't just been sitting around because he's been like thinking of an idea. He's like, I'm building new technology to make the movies that I want to see. Well, and I would be happy if in one of these sequels. Um, we actually get to the point where CGI, this frame rate for it is a little higher, so it well, doesn't have that. Well, shooting it in 60 strange... frames per second. Yeah, okay. Because, like, um... that's always the thing about CGI <laughs> that just doesn't um, doesn't look as realistic. Like, even when we were talking about uh, animatronics versus CGI monsters in The Thing and The Thing remake, that was the problem right there. That's the problem with any kind of thing that doesn't use a uh, real animal. Or real animatronic, or real trees and flowers and things like that. Like I, I want, I want higher frame rate. I want there to be a little bit more realism in terms of the, you not being able to tell. But what you're seeing in the thing is the same frame rate as what you're seeing in Avatar, though. It's still twenty four frames a second. No, I know, but anytime it's CGI, it just looks slower. That's what I'm saying. Oh. All the movements of everything. Well, they did slow slower. it down a lot in this movie. There's parts where it like goes into slow motion. Um, I don't mean when the scenery intentionally goes into slow motion. Right. In general, any CGI I've ever seen, even the best, right. everyone is moving a little too slowly. Oh. Even the details, the blinking of the eyes, the really small microfacial expressions, especially it's all eyes. a little bit too slow. Hmm. Yeah, especially eye blinking, I find. Yeah. Well, anyway, I hope that one of these sequels gives us proper eye blinking. So much realism, <laughs> we can't even tell. I, I hope they go more into the into the idea of like the uploaded consciousness. Like that's something that like Judy, you showed like me some really cool movies about it's the the whole the the thematics of uploading your consciousness into another thing, onto another object. And like yeah. I hope they do more of that with the with the doctor character or Well, because with this it was I I was also a little interested in how that. exactly they were doing it like they just didn't really give us enough yeah i wanted to know how the psychic connection happened yeah Why even in the early in the movie you're just like is there a wi-fi signal <laughs> yeah yeah in the middle it was like how are they powering this well and also towards the end i was very confused when <laughs> they have wi-fi he i i could accept the fact that um when he went into the chamber he was in a sort of induced sleep so that he would get back into the avatar body but what i didn't get was later on he gets woken up and then he goes back in and just shuts his eyes really fast and mm-hmm. he's back there. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he's right. not asleep, yeah. but like that. How did that work? So maybe that's insinuating that there is some sort of psychic connection that they might. But it's more fully 
Well, maybe it's the same way in which, you know how it's... Well, what was that chamber? Why did he even have to be in it? It focuses and funnels. I don't know. I, I it was wish like they a deprivation just explained chamber. it a bit more. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was some sort of deprivation tank. Yeah, because it was with all a, gooey mixed, and stuff. Mixed with a... Um, but that it, like, seals itself, like a sarcophagus mm-hmm. kind of thing. Also, mm-hmm. they, like, probably should have been naked in it. I'm just saying, like, logically speaking, if it's a sensory deprivation chamber that's all gooey... I don't, well, I don't think it was, like, specifically was no, designed zero to no, be sensory deprivation. I think it was more... But the, I'm thinking of it in more literal terms. Like, if this is really a chamber <laughs> mm-hmm. that, like one of those floating chambers, is supposed to make you forget about your physical material body so that you can enter into the an external body an avatar if you will <laughs> sorry um then you should not be able to feel your body and i found it weird that they like well, the movie could have done a slightly better job other than just having it be this weird squishy stuff they should have just been like submerged into this tank or like gooey tank and no clothing because like, i think the, the clothing would have just they were at the from, end though when they when they get transferred into awa yeah, I was yes, gonna say like that made more sense. There's there's a distinct difference between the interfacing technology between humans and the Navi. Like the human is very clean and very um, puritanical almost. Yeah, yeah. You can't very, be naked. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's true. But whereas, like, whereas the Navi are just very fleshy like, and what is it, the new, the new flesh style? You know. Oh, video drum style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like the, I like really interfacing their body like in a dirty, messy, goopy bloody way like like Battlestar remember Battlestar yeah. Galactica how they uh, when they would have like the Cylon ships oh or, like, the Cylons like they have like biological interfaces gooey. yeah anyway. biological gooey uh yeah you're getting more into the technology I think would be I think would be really I, cool. I would just appreciate it a little bit more I think Sigourney Weaver should come back for one of the sequels and then they could sort didn't of didn't she ex- die she no she, she uploaded didn't herself survive. To yeah she didn't survive oh, the transfer oh I thought she died well, she did die. Her body died. Her body died. But just because but she uploaded her... No, but he said she uploaded her memories. That's right. No, so her consciousness doesn't... I don't think... I think I think she was dead. And well, I don't think not. her brain is in there. Well, so the it's there's obviously some ambiguity about what happened, but the, uh, the matron lady says that she is going to... She will have to pass through Awa and then emerge through on the other side in this body. And they say she passed into Awa but didn't make it through. And so the idea is like, okay, she made it through but didn't make it out. So is she still in there yeah. or or what happened? So in She's the sequel, back? in the sequel, yeah, uh, Awa will be played by Sigourney Weaver. Hey, why not? Or her voice will or something. Why not? She could be the voice of Awa. Why not? I can totally see that. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but so the interesting is that she so she goes in there, but then she comes. It, it's like the uh, teleporter in Star Trek, right? Where you're actually making two copies of the person in in both locations, and the original copy gets destroyed because mm-hmm. she comes out of it at the end, and she says, uh, "I can't remember what she says. Something about I saw Awa, or Awa is real, or something, and then yeah. dies." But she's still also still in Awa. So there's like a duplicate that's made of her. So it's like, where's her soul at that mm-hmm, point? Like mm-hmm. her soul, I guess, is like lingering on mm-hmm. in the cloud? Yeah. yeah. Or the, the root. In, I guess now in, that in they the root. root storage. You know, yeah. she's got a root kit in there. I like that. And uh, she's backdoored her way into immortality. Yeah, you have to say that every day. Yeah. Maybe the first time that sentence has ever been uttered mm-hmm. in Uman history. I want to backdoor my way into mortality. <laughs> we knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Okay, well, uh, I don't really know if I have anything else to say about this movie. So what what would you recommend to viewers to watch in lieu of this film? To, or as a contrast. Or as a it. contrast. About the subject of avatars or um, technology. Oh, God. Her. I don't even... I didn't really think about it. her is a great yeah her is a great great movie to watch because it just has such an original take on what could happen with AI and singularity. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you thinking about the Avatar scene in her? The Avatar scene is a great great scene, but I'm just generally thinking of the idea of the non, the releasing yourself from the boundaries of the body kind of idea. Even though the Samantha character in her never has a body to begin with. Um, it's still like 
you know, transcending the flesh. I do not recommend the movie Transcendence. No. Because it's pretty terrible and it raises a lot of interesting questions that it just dismisses and ignores because of magic water. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. The magic, magic water, water oh is everything. And it's not like you drink water and it's magic. It's like magic droplets of water in the atmosphere. This is like how everything is explained in the movie. Johnny Depp is basically magic water. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Um, yeah, other... Sorry, Johnny Depp, if you're listening. Sorry. If you're listening, Johnny I'm sure Depp. I'm listening. I'm sure he made it all the way through our conversation. If you're listening, Johnny Depp. He's like, Helena, how do you listen to this? I don't know his accent. I don't know. Helena, why? Helena, he's not married. No, I feel like they're always just having tea together. With Tim Burton. Yeah, I feel like they're always just having a tea They're literally always enacting Alice in Wonderland. Always. Always. Sure. Um... Yeah, what other good Avatar movie exists? I actually feel not like... Not Avatar. Not... <laughs> the Last Airbender. Not... not that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> not Avatar. Okay. Like, Adam, we've been through this. <laughs> well, there are some interesting, uh, m- like, machine mecha type movies, but... And those are Avatar well, What about in Ghost in the sense. Shell, then? Because that's about... That, the Ghost in the Shell is about... Putting your consciousness into another. This is very, very true. Right, I feel very like I feel true. like that could be an interesting um, analog to to this one. Yeah, we're talking about the anime one, not the the recent one. Which is gonna be, it's not out well, yet. It's not. Has it been out? But we don't know when people are listening to That's this. Good they point. might think that we're recommending well, at the, the, the moment, new movie. At the moment, we're the not recommending one. the American live action remake because it's not out yet. So and yeah, we, we haven't seen it. We don't know. We won't comment on it yet. Yeah. I'd be interested to watch it, though. Oh, I'm absolutely going to see how it compares. That is a loud storm. That is loud. Okay, well, I think we are good. This episode is going to have to have some editing through it, because there's a lot of pauses. Wait, did I just end it by saying, I think we are good? Say something else. Is it recording? Yeah, still recording. Da-da-da-da-da-da! Adam, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me, guys. That was fun. Yeah. And uh, tune in for our next podcast. Not sure what it's going to be. We never really know until it happens. <laughs> That's how you end it. <laughs> we never really know when it's going to happen. End. No, no. We, we we put them up every like week or something, but we never know when we're going to oh, do yeah, one yeah. or oh, what yeah. it's going to be on. <laughs> So I guess whoever edits will just merge this file with the last one. Look at all that cheddar.